This episode of State of the Nova Nation is sponsored by our friends at Homefield. Introducing our new sponsor, Homefield, a premium collegiate apparel brand out of Indianapolis. Homefield brings you incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs. They dig through the archives and history of your school to find unique logos, mascots, and moments to make thoughtful designs. Homefield launched its Villanova collection last Saturday, and this collection features 14 pieces of apparel, including t-shirts, hoodies, and crewnecks, all with vintage marks. I received my Nova Nation Homefield shirt this past week, and it completely exceeded my expectations. I love the design, the material is super soft, and for all my female Wildcat fans out there, the cut and the style is perfect to wear to a game and casual enough to wear to cheer on the cats. To explore the full collection, be sure to use the promo code VUHOOPS at checkout. That's VUHOOPS, all one word, all capital, for a discount on homefieldapparel.com to get all the apparel you need for March. What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the State of the Nova Nation podcast from VU Hoops. I'm Emma Houghton, he's Pat Zhang, and Pat, it's here. It is the morning of Villanova's Sweet 16 matchup against the 11 seed Michigan Wolverines. We're recording this on Wednesday night, so we have one last sleep before it's finally mm-hmm. here. I am absolutely pumped i cannot wait for it i'm gonna wear a sweatshirt to work tomorrow yes just to rub it in people's faces and hope that everything goes well so that i can be happy on friday <laughs> uh you know i'm wearing villanova quarter zip to for oh, work yeah. tomorrow just that there's no other way to do it so today as people listen to this it's game day it's sweet 16 day i'm so pumped um it, <laughs> we have a sweet 16 game tonight how exciting is right? that so let, let's do it obviously you never take these things for granted villanova's here they have a chance to play in a regional final uh over the weekend the golden age of villanova basketball as our friend at nova tip time says oh we're still in it it is it is so much fun and as nice or nice is maybe a strong word, but as cool as it would have been to play Tennessee, I definitely do not think we should be taking Michigan no. lightly. No, as much as I, I railed on them, I, I was agree. Just gonna say, as much as Pat hates Michigan, we Sorry, are going Mr. to spend Bradley. this entire episode previewing how good of a team they are and how much of a matchup nightmare they could provide for Villanova. So that's going to be the bulk of this episode. We will talk a little bit about potential elite eight matchups on Saturday. If Villanova is able to get past Michigan, they will be up against the winner of the Arizona Houston game. Pat and I both feel very strongly about who we hope that winner is. So we'll get to that. And then one of the most exciting parts of this episode is that we actually have a interview segment that will come in after the preview part. He is Johnny Avello, the head of the sports book is the director of race and sports operations at DraftKings. So a really, really interesting talk about the, the processes behind sports betting, which I'm sure a ton of people are interested and fascinated by. And then of course we will end as it is Thursday on a really fun mailbag. Wow. It sounds like this is a pretty packed episode. Would you say? I think we have to get right into it. I don't think uh, we can waste any more time on niceties. Pat. I don't think so either. <laughs> Let's do it. All right, so the Wolverines. I'm not really sure where to start. I guess I'll, I'll 
I'll start complimentary because again, I do want to be clear how weird of a year this was for Michigan. This is their fifth straight Sweet 16 appearance. That's the second longest active streak in college basketball. And it's only behind Gonzaga's seven straight years. So though this has been a very inconsistent, unpredictable Michigan team led by a unpredictable coach and at times absent players, this team has a winning culture. You can't deny that. This team has been there and done that. We will obviously get shades of the 2018 National Championship rematch but Michigan scares me a little bit, a lot more than they did at the beginning of the tournament when we when we thought they would get routed by Colorado State. Uh, absolutely, I as as I said, you know, I, I did not think Michigan deserved to be in this tournament when the brackets were revealed, and they've come out and done nothing but completely exert their will against two pretty good opponents um, through the first two games, and all it shows is seeding how much does it really matter yes of course plays oh, in the yeah. matchups just get into this tournament and, and you mm-hmm. can try and cause some issues here and that's exactly what michigan has done when looking at michigan this season their best wins are wins over purdue and iowa uh you know purdue obviously still going iowa went down early they had a bad loss to indiana to kind of close out their season in the big 10 tournament had to really sweat it out, squeaked in as, a, as an 11 seed, as we know, before winning games against Colorado State, as well as the huge upset over Tennessee. That's kind of the positive side. Looking at the flip side, they have losses to UCF and Minnesota as well. It's been Jekyll and Hyde a lot for Michigan so far this season. That They've really struggled to you know, get in any sort of a rhythm. I, I think my favorite stat that I saw from this past weekend is they had not won back-to-back games mm. since February 8th and February 10th, which were wins. And one over, of those wins was over Purdue. Yeah, one of those crazy. wins was over Purdue. The other one was Penn yeah. State, which was a one-point win, but they won. So we don't need to talk about it. <laughs> but otherwise, since then, they had alternated wins and losses down the stretch from February 12th on. Yet here we are in the Sweet 16 in San Antonio. Michigan's here, and Michigan has the ability to cause some issues for Villanova. Yeah, that was also something I was so excited to talk about because it's so crazy. And when you look at this team on paper, they're 19 and 14. They finished seventh in the Big Ten. They're only two wins over 500 in the conference. The Big Ten have the most teams in the tournament. And we've said before on this podcast, there isn't really such thing as a bad loss in the Big Ten. Of course, that's true. I mean, Michigan lost one to Minnesota, who finished second to last in the conference. That's a bad loss. But generally, the conference is so high caliber that, they get off a little lucky there, but there are teams that have better resumes. I'm mm-hmm. sure you can make that case that we're left out of the field of 68 and you are hundred percent right. Losses shouldn't dictate how wrong the committee was in seating. If that makes sense, that shouldn't matter, but you are so right with all it takes is one win. All it took was Michigan to feel like they had a chip on their shoulder. And very suddenly we are seeing an entirely different team that is pairing experience and youth with talent and really good coaching. And now they get to face Villanova and really good scoring is what we've also seen from them in their first two games, which is part of a theme for Michigan. This Michigan team is very talented offensively. And then I would say it's kind of a weird way to phrase it, but they're the back end of the good defensive teams. If that makes any sense. Interesting. It's, It's they're good on defense. They're not firmly in the good range well you know we'll go with kind of a a range there to to throw them in but uh, on offense 
They are very, very strong, of course, as I'm sure Emma's going to talk plenty about as well. Everything runs through Hunter Dickinson. Quite simply, everything runs through Hunter Dickinson. That has been especially apparent so far in this tournament where Dickinson has been going off, where he has, in his two games, his averages so far, 24 points, eight and a half boards, two and a half assists, and two and a half blocks. Man's on a mission right now, and he is (laughs) the leading factor for why Michigan can cause so many issues for Nova. Pretty versatile, wouldn't you say? I would say so. <laughs> it's so funny because I've obviously, I've been talking about Hunter Dickinson all season. He was that one name that continued to pop up in my head. Now that I'm thinking about it, I kind of called this. Wow. I Whoa. weirdly just couldn't get Dickinson out of my head and now we're playing him. You did funny. say that. You did say that. I apologize to everyone who's cursing me at the moment. So yeah, so Dickinson, we obviously have to spend a lot of time on. He's 7-1. He leads the team in scoring and rebounding. And this team was so incredibly reliant on Dickinson up until about January or February when they finally started to piece things together. I actually think the reason why they've made it so far in this tournament is because they have found other scores. Yeah. So somebody will definitely talk about Devontae Jones He's a senior. He was in concussion protocol for game one and didn't play. He did play in game two, but he left after, I think, only a few 11 minutes because he wasn't feeling well. So he'll be a game time decision. It's been the other guys that have stepped up, though. A freshman, Frankie Collins, he scored 14 in their first round matchup against Colorado State. Eli Brooks, who we will definitely talk about, scored 23 in their game against Tennessee. It, of course, runs through Hunter Dickinson. He obviously scored 27 in that Tennessee game, but they cannot do it on his shoulders alone, and that's finally where it switched for Michigan. As long as they have better perimeter shooters, they can cause a lot of damage, and they did against a team that you and I thought was one of the best teams in the country in Tennessee. Yeah, for sure, and an interesting kind of comparison between Villanova and Michigan to try to show some similarities there as well. Both Michigan and Villanova have four players that average double figures per game uh, in terms of scoring. And Michigan also handles their bench very similarly. Oh, yeah. Villanova. Yeah. Yep. They, there is not a lot of bench depth coming out of it. They roll with their starters and one kind of important bench guy uh, or one kind of six man a la Caleb Daniels. Uh, that we'll see. So looking at the comparison there, Villanova's 318th in the country in terms of bench minutes, Michigan right around that range, as well as 316th in the country. They are right next to each other, basically mirror images of one of the things we have discussed episode after episode. Well, guess what? The Sweet 16 opponent does the exact same thing. It's nice that Villanova's at least on an even playing field here. Yep. They're not going to be trounced by the 14-man Purdue bench that we saw on the non-conference oh, schedule. That's true. <laughs> yeah, I think this team is really interesting because there are a lot of similarities to Nova, but there are also a ton of differences. Mm-hmm. They have Oh, I've got some they, differences to go into. They're a really young team, but they also have that anchor in fifth-year senior Eli Brooks. They They shoot really, really well but they turn the ball over a lot. They play good perimeter defense, but they also let teams score on them. And then the last thing that I'm really excited to talk about, and this is, I think, the the quote-unquote X factor, only 25.7% of Michigan's points come from three. They will pound the paint against Nova. What do you think about that matchup? 
ah, you have found the point that I wanted to go on. Um, because yeah. it is, while Villanova and Michigan have similarities as we got just gone through, another big similarity, Michigan plays very slow, which is a good thing for Villanova. It allows for them to be able to get set up in the half court and it'll be a more comfortable game for the Cats. So I'm all for that. As you said, the big difference about how these teams operate is for Michigan, 57% of their offense comes from twos. Compare that to Villanova, it's just 42% from two for the Cats. They're not a particularly good three-point shooting team. They can hurt you from deep, but they are not one that is going to be able to light you up as at, you know, at even Villanova has been able to show this year. And then the big game plan that I think Villanova is going to go at Nova's 23rd in the country on three point makes per game. Michigan is 287th. So mm. even though I think Michigan is going to have the ability to try and control things down low and, and, and really run the game through the post, as we've seen from Villanova teams in the past, trading twos for threes can get you in trouble. Um, yeah. So Nova has an opportunity to really burn them out there. And I think that's where Villanova's game plan is going to be because it's tough to out Michigan, Michigan down low. Just from a pure size perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're totally right. Well said. And I mean, Nova has the potential to burn them for three. They also have the ability to pack the paint and force those guys to shoot. Yep. You could get burned because like I said, Eli Brooks had a really good game. Caleb Houston, oh, actually, I'm sorry, not him. Diabate has been pretty good scoring in double digits off the bench. Williams, Collins, like I mentioned, they have guys that can shoot, but those are outlier games. For the most part, it's mostly Dickinson and Brooks on their own. I have confidence that Villanova's perimeter defense will be good enough that they can hold down the fort and it's really just going to come down to how much of a beast Dickinson can be. So, so where does your confidence level lie there? How good are we going to see Dickinson on Thursday? I didn't know you're going to hit me with confidence level so early. um, I got this. It's killing me. It's killing me. uh, I, I do think Villanova can and will win this game. I also think that Hunter Dickinson is going to go off and it's going to be about of what can Villanova do elsewhere and trying to, minimize the effect that he's going to have. What I'm going to look at is I want Villanova to do more help defense. And it's something we've discussed that during the season at times, I want to see it happen here. I'm comfortable trying to bring a double on Dickinson and force him into passes. He can pass it, but he also turns it over a decent amount of the time. This Michigan team, I want Villanova to make them prove that they can make them pay from deep. Because otherwise, if you let Michigan just feast in the paint, they're going to stay down there the entire game. And it can be really difficult. So on the defensive side of the ball, I really want to see Villanova be aggressive and try and do something that um, has definitely been part of the game plan against some of these bigs that Nova's played against in the past. Against Nate Watson, against Adama Sanogo, what you'll notice from what Jay Wright also tries to do is he has the, whether it be a Slater, a Samuels, or a Dixon down low, he has them gamble a lot of the time and mm. try to jump that passing lane and try and force a turnover for it because he knows once these bigs are able to get established in the paint and can go in a back down, Villanova is going to be at a disadvantage. They, they just simply are against a player with the skill set and size of a Hunter Dickinson. So if you try and force them into turnovers or try and mitigate it a little bit by bringing double teams and, and force them to uh, hit you from three, a place where they're not totally comfortable or haven't proven they're totally comfortable, it, it allows for them to try and take advantage of that. So Pat, those are all very, very good points, but shoot me down. I don't think, 
I don't think Nate Watson, Adama Snogo, or Ryan Kalkbrenner even come close to being as talented as Hunter Dickinson. And another thing is that they don't come close to ha- having the versatility that Hunter Dickinson has from mid-range and from three. Yes. This is what scares me about this matchup because as big as Hunter Dickinson is, we have been surprised by Dixon, Samuel Slater, Daniel's ability to guard a big in the three that we mentioned in the Big East, Sonogo, Cockburner, Watson. I've, we've been impressed, surprised, shocked by <laughs> how well the Villanova's small size has matched up and really limited these big shooters. You also don't see Ryan Kalkbrenner throwing up threes. You don't see Nate Watson taking a mid-range shot. If you have seen Nate Watson take a mid-range shot, you've undeniably laughed out loud when you see it because it's hilarious. Hunter Dickinson is not afraid to take a shot from deep. And I think that will be the part of his game that we will monitor because we've Mm -hmm. seen Dixon struggle on screens. Do I think Hunter Dickinson will throw up four threes? No, of course not. He's going to operate in the paint. But as much as Villanova tries to limit him, I can see, I can anticipate Michigan adapting and trying to pull him out and letting him take those shots. And, and he has the ability to make them. He certainly does. And you're right. A, a big part of what Michigan's been able to do lately is have Dickinson hit, especially from deep. I know he's made a couple threes uh, over the first it's three two for terms. five against yeah. Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah. So it, he does have the ability to step out and do that. I feel better about Villanova being able to defend against that because of the versatility on defense that Nova has between Slater Samuels mm. and Dixon to kind of go through there. I, I, they, they, we know how much Villanova switches on defense. I I'm okay with it. Cause I, I think they have the athleticism to be able to close things out there. Of course, it's going to be an issue. And, and as I said, I expect Dickinson to be a beast, but I think Villanova is going to have enough elsewhere defensively to, to make things difficult for Michigan. I also, Dickinson is really the only player. Well, that's not fair, but he scares me the most. I was going to ask you who on Michigan scares you the most. I think this mm-hmm. 10 minute conversation about Dickinson yeah, pretty I much. You, I think you can tell. <laughs> sums that up. You can get the gist from that. I am totally fine with Dickinson scoring 20 to 25 and everybody else going one for seven from the floor. I would feel pretty good about our chances if everyone shoots one for seven and it's just Dickinson. <laughs> So okay, it, but back to being serious. Yes. What's Dick? What's Dixon's role in this game? Dickinson and Dixon puff on the broadcasters. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I am really intrigued by that question because we just saw Eric Dixon play so well. You know, in the right. in the first couple games of this tournament, I would not be surprised at all to see a less of a role for Dixon mm. in this game and see Jay just go completely small ball and try and spread Michigan out to make them uncomfortable. Um, I, I think you're going to see a lot, a lot of Caleb Daniels on Thursday nights uh, in that lineup. It, it, of course, it's all indicative if the wings can stay out of foul trouble because that's obviously been an issue lately. And, and you saw that with Slater uh, in the game against Ohio State. But I, I think Dixon, his biggest thing is just be solid defensively and be ready to kind of whip that ball around the perimeter when Villanova does get it down to him in the post to see if they can uh, – find some threes off of uh, directing the ball and go inside outside in that way. I'm not sure how much of a role he really is going to have in this game. Just knowing, understanding how Jay's been doing things lately. Yeah. It seems like every time Dixon has a really good game, unfortunately for him, their next matchup is a bad matchup for him. And he sees his minutes reduced because of that. But it's funny because correct me if I'm wrong, but your big 
owed to Caleb and why he should get more minutes to this game is because of the wrinkle he provides on offense. Certainly. Yeah. He's a good defender as yeah. perimeter defender as well, yeah. but he's the pa- the punch that he is able to pack, especially from deep and then using some of that athleticism. It's a tough matchup for teams when Nova does go with Samuels at center. Yeah. And I I've said this before. I think Caleb is probably the difference maker on offense for this Villanova team. But the first thing I went to when thinking about Caleb's game plan is this in this game is how good he is at help defense. If you're talking about bringing help D onto Hunter Dickinson, Daniels is that guy in my mind. He can be really, really disruptive on the defensive end. I like when Villanova plays small. I think it makes them really athletic. They can push the ball in transition, even though they don't do it often. They at least have the ability to. And like you said at the beginning, if you are trying to beat Villanova at Villanova's game, which is controlling the the pace, you will lose. Mm. And I think – Villanova will have enough control. They'll have enough offense. Dickinson will go off. Pat and I are making that very clear. Dickinson yeah. will be the better big in this game, but I still think Nova can do it. It's just, it's so hard for a team built like Villanova to neutralize a big as talented as, as Hunter Dickinson. And, and as much as I adore Adama Sanogo and talk about him, yeah. as you said, Dickinson is, is truly one of the best bigs in the entire country to go with it. Two things I want to look at offensively, I want Villanova to do the Dylan Painter strategy. And that is use your switches, use the screens and get Dickinson switched onto the perimeter against a Slater Samuels or Gillespie has done a fantastic job getting matched up with bigs. And then he kind of goes to his little side to side dribble pulls up from three as we've seen a ton lately. So I really want to see them go that and why I think that can be really explosive for Villanova. We'll say is that these are not my stats, I'll say, but I I did do some research on it. Villanova's offense, they rank 27th nationally in pick and roll frequency. Michigan Michigan ranks in the bottom 29th percentile in pick and roll defense. Love that. I think you're going to see a ton of picks being set around the perimeter, trying for Villanova to exploit some of their uh, quickness and uh, quickness mismatches try to create mismatches with the guards. Of course, we know Justin Moore and Colin Gillespie are bigger guards as well. And they're going to go there. I think Nova is going to play heavy matchup in this game and expect to see a ton of picks. You and Jay exchanging some notes this week. I, I wish Jay, I'll give you my phone number <laughs> if you want. It. No, that's awesome. I've never even heard of pick and roll, right? What, what, what was it? Pick, pick and, and roll, roll rate frequency success? and pick and frequency. roll defense. Yeah, that's awesome. That's I a really good deep, stat. I dug deep for the sweet 16. I love it. And how many times, Pat, have you and I started off an episode talking about Eric Dixon and what his role will be and what the defense will be and talking about how they're going to limit the big man. But without a doubt, we circle back to the guards because I don't know why we keep kidding ourselves. This game comes down to guard play every single time it comes down to guard play. And when you have guards, like Moore and Gillespie, of course you want the ball in their hands so that they can exploit that exact matchup that you were just talking about. So I agree. I think that is absolutely what it will come down to. Villanova will be carried by the performance of Gillespie, Moore, and Daniels. And then it's who of the Dixon Slater Samuels group steps up to also contribute in a meaningful way. That's, That's what it really comes down to for them. And then one last thing I want you to look at for this matchup where Michigan has been finding so much of their offense is going to sound very familiar. They've been fouled 37 times in Mm. two two games. And in those two games, they shot 16 for 20 
and 19 of 22 from the foul line. So Michigan has been generating a ton of offense from the free throw line. They're a good free throw shooting team, not a great free throw shooting team. They're at about 75%, which is good for around 60th in the country. They've been performing above that so far in this NCAA tournament. Just something to watch is if uh, Michigan is able to get fouled a lot so far, they've been taking advantage of it. We know about Villanova's prowess from the foul line, but Michigan has been doing the same exact thing over the last couple of games. Yeah, they do a better job at generating fouls than Villanova does, but Villanova still does a better job at making those shots that they get. Yeah, yeah, for sure. How about that? All right, I got one more thing before we move on. And you're making me be the negative person, which I really hate, but I have a very concerning statistic. (laughs) And I, I need you to tell me if it was Tennessee or if it was Michigan. And it's that the Tennessee Volunteers shot 11% from three in their round of 32 game. Uh, You, you are correct there. I did see that. Um, I, part of it was Michigan's defense. Absolutely. A three point defense was very good. A part of it was also Tennessee could not buy a bucket. Um, Yeah. (laughs) The version we saw of them. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It was the Mohegan sun version because Michigan, Michigan's an okay three point defensive team. They're they're Mm -hmm. not exactly a star started perimeter defense. I think Villanova has better perimeter defense than Michigan, but in that game, they were able to completely stymie Tennessee. Everything had to come inside and uh, that allowed for them to really get the win was because Tennessee wasn't able to hit them at all from beyond the arc. Yeah, I totally agree. And then the last thing I will say before we transition, or if you have any last thoughts, We've talked about experience. We've talked about game plans. We talked about guard play. Well, speaking of guard play, in 2018, when these teams saw each other in the NCAA championship game, Colin Gillespie played 18 minutes. Mm, even though that is, even though that is half of what he plays now, Colin Gillespie played 18 minutes against this same team in a bigger stakes game, and that sounds in a, like an advantage to me if I've ever heard one. Yeah, let's throw out the game at the Pavilion um, the next yeah. season. Yeah, oh, I, I had. I totally Good. had. Yeah, that game yeah. doesn't count. So don't no, don't, don't worry about it. But no, I, I love it there. It's going to come down to the guard play. And also, can Villanova get Hunter Dickinson in foul trouble? That's going to be a huge Ooh. thing as well. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. I also feel confident. I, I think Villanova can and will beat Michigan. All right. We're not both sure if I have boat. a score. Yeah, I'm not sure if I have a score. I have been absolutely abysmal at both guessing and betting the over-under, so I think I'm going to stay <laughs> away from this one. <laughs> I've been abysmal at basically everything in terms of predictions with this NCAA yeah. tournament, but the bottom line is I think Villanova is going to be able to be comfortable enough on offense. Michigan's not a disruptive defense. Uh, the tempo is going to really fit them. I think Nova is going to be able to hit them from three, and I expect Jay Wright to be able to make enough adjustments uh, defensively that it's going to be tough for Michigan to uh, specifically match up and he's going to try and force them to beat him through the three ball. Yeah. I will be worried if, if Colin and Justin aren't on right away, because I think having Dickinson in the post will limit some of that driving that we love, but that's when the, the switching comes into play. And that's mm-hmm. when, that's when Jay's ability is going to separate Villanova from Michigan because yeah. Villanova is the far superior coach team. Oh, I love that. No disrespect, but it's true. (laughs) Exactly. Not touching the money here at all. This is if Villanova is able to win on Thursday. Want to just do a a quick look at potential matchups against Arizona and Houston? Yes. We were talking about this before we recorded. The games are impossibly late for for a Thursday night. 
impossibly late Houston versus Arizona five versus a one seed nine fifty nine is the tentative start time. Yeah, it's not Thursday start night. at nine fifty nine. I'll tell you that <laughs> we can both bet on that, and we will be right about that. Should we start with Houston, the dogs here? Let's do it. So, um, man, where do I start? We we said before in the past when we were talking about the South. Houston is absolutely loved by metrics and they're absolutely hated by the people. If they can eke this win out against Arizona, I say eke not because they should lose, but because if they do win, it will be one of the uglier wins that I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. But talk about two teams that just could not be more different. Houston is ranked 333rd in the country in tempo. Arizona is ranked fifth. That's, Single digits number five. You will see a a power struggle for control in this game, and that's why I'm so excited to watch it. I'm so pumped for this game. I, To your point, I wish it was earlier because I desperately want to be able to stay up for this entire game because it is such a good matchup with such contrasting styles with two incredibly talented teams. Um, you know, looking at Houston, I know that people will, will take their shots at them, and yes, the analytics say they're fantastic. this is a damn good Houston team. They are, Mm -hmm. they're really well coached with Kelvin Sampson. They have their shot maker and Kyler Edwards. They're so tough defensively, which is the big thing kind of that, that you were alluding to there 10th in the country in defense, according to Ken Palm. They're also 10th in the country on offense, according to Ken Palm, even though it's their defense that seems to get all of the, the praise from it. They're a really strong rebounding team. Uh, they force a ton of steals. They are, as I said, Michigan is not really a disruptive defense. They're just a efficient defense. Houston is an incredibly disruptive defense. And what it does leading into a game against Arizona, a team that plays such beautiful offense as Arizona does, it's just the perfect matchup. Is it not? I just, oh, I'm so excited for this game. You've also got two of the best offensive rebounding teams in the country going up against each other. So who is going to impose their will more? So I have an interesting role with me here as I bring you through this, this chain of thought. So I mentioned on Tuesday, Benedict Matherin's disgusting dunk that I hope people listened to that and then went out and watched it and were just as shook as I was. So after that, TCU, even though they pushed it to overtime, they went O for their next 11 mm. after that Matherin dunk. Houston can't operate with that type of what's the word splendor, just the insane moment. They can't allow and neither chaos. Can Nova. chaos. If Arizona does end up playing Nova, they can't allow moments like that to control their game because Houston plays their game to a T really. The only thing they're bad at is free throws. They have mm-hmm. such a disruptive defense. They're so good on offense. I actually have a Dana O'Neill quote from her yes, athletic article you know, you about know I'm Houston. A Dana guy. And I quote, the Cougars do not need moments to rise up to. They are about as allergic to the fanfare as Arizona is drawn to it like Moss. Oh, I like that comparison. And I think that's part of what makes this such an attractive game as well. Arizona is also so tall. They're so tall. They're so good at offensive rebounding. I, just, I think... They are polar opposites of each other, this team, but with enough similarities that they're going to be going head to head and it's going to be such a rock fight. Yeah. As, as heavyweight a matchup as it can get, I'm, I'm super pumped 
that the difference is Arizona has Benedict. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it's just, it's so tough to be able to, to limit everything that he does so well. Um, I, I give Arizona the edge here basically until I see otherwise from Zona, but I think Houston is going to give them such a big fight. I just, I've said it too many times already now, but I, I could not be more excited for this is the game other than Villanova that I am most excited for out of all of the sweet 16 matchups. Yeah. It's just such a good matchup. I think that's a good way to put it. I don't think you can doubt Arizona until Houston gives them reason to, by or the way, Houston gives you a reason to I'd love to get your reaction to this. Ken Palm predicts that the Houston Cougars will be moving on. Houston, Ken Palm has something on Houston. They love like, Houston. Maybe a son. <laughs> they maybe love a son. Houston. <laughs> I would love it. I mean, I would much rather play Houston yes. than, than Arizona, a, too. It's a much better match. Thinking in Villanova metrics, uh, Houston would be a much better matchup than, than Zona, just with the styles yeah. and how the teams are built and kind of a defense-first type thing. I, I would definitely feel better about that. The one caveat that I would put, and it's the most basic caveat possible, is that once you get into a regional final and you're 40 minutes away from a final four, I'm going to throw mm. out most things and just say, Let, let's do it. Villanova would be incredibly experienced and that I'm not counting out Nova if they do get to an elite eight. Yeah. And, and part of the allure to Arizona is that they have the stars. They have that style of play, which you just don't get from Houston. You don't get the names. I, I would implore people to say how many people are on, the Houston roster, if they can just name people off the top of their yeah. head, because I know I couldn't before this episode, before the, the research. So it's part of the co- it's just interesting. conference they it, play in. Yeah, the conference, they, who, yeah, who they play, it's just so different. And this is their moment to go out and beat a team like Arizona and prove that this style of play can win. And, I mean, they shouldn't have to prove it at this point. They've done it in the past. But I hope people stay up for this game. I will very much try to because it's going to be so good. Yeah, I'm, I'm so excited. Well, what a matchup we have. And we'll see if Villanova is still playing by the time we record and drop this episode next Tuesday. But I know both Emma and I could not be more excited just for a Sweet 16 game. And we'll see if there is anything past that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Ready to, uh, to send it to our interview? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so we are joined by Johnny Avello, the Director of Race and Sports Operations at DraftKings. Johnny, thank you so much for for coming on. We're so excited to chat with you a little bit about the betting landscape and the tournament in general. But first of all, it's Wednesday, March 23rd, as we're recording. It's the end of March. Has this month lived up to the college basketball betting hype that a lot of people expect it to be? Uh, It certainly has, Emma, and more. Uh, you know, my expectations were high for this tournament this year to bring it back and do it in a normal fashion where you have two play in games, games on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, whereas last year there was no play ins and game on Monday um, and all the games being in one state, Indiana. So it's nice to have it back to where it belongs. And uh, the betters have appreciated that and they're showing it by you know, uh, putting their money up bet each and every game. Yeah, 100%. no, absolutely. I'm not surprised to hear that. I'm interested from your perspective. Of course, this was a big deal when it happened. How much of an impact has legalization in New York had on you, especially this month and, and what you've seen so far? 
Well, what was happening before New York came on board was that we were in one location up in uh, the Rochester, between Rochester and uh, and Syracuse at a, de- a casino called Del Lago. That was our only sports book, but mm. you had to walk in to place a bet. Uh, and so a lot of bettors in New York were going across the border, whether going on a George Washington Bridge halfway or they were just crossing the border to make a bet and come back. That was happening for a couple of years. So now for them to have the digital product where they can open their account from anywhere they live as long as they're in the boundaries of New York uh, and now can play the DraftKings product, which is the best product out there. Uh, I'm happy for New York. Being a fellow New Yorker myself, I'm very happy for the state to have our product. Yeah, that's why I had to ask, because I'm from New York. I have a lot of friends that are still in New York, and I cannot tell you how thrilled they are to be able to place bets online with DraftKings now. Yeah, um, you know, and, and at DraftKings, we have a lot of offerings. You know, we, we're talking basketball right now, but besides all the major, uh, you know, the, the uh, basketball, football, hockey, baseball, we offer so much more. Uh, you know, golf is a huge product for us. Some states don't allow everything we do. So, and we give the states the choice. For instance, we're doing some cornhole now, which is That's pretty awesome. popular. And we're doing the Academy Awards, which are going to happen this wow. Sunday. Not every state's taking that, only three, but eventually I think everybody will. Yeah, I, I've been known to place a golf better too. So I, I, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the, the Gatorade color for the Super Bowl too, Pat. <laughs> yeah. So, so Johnny, speaking of how the betting space has grown exponentially over i mean we, we could literally talk about months at this point what is it about the ncaa tournament that draws people in that aren't diehard betters during the year what is it about march specifically that draws them to this action well what happens basketball takes place all year long and the guys go out there and give a full effort but it seems by the time we get to march the guys really have their game, total game honed in, uh, and they're ready to go to one more level. And it shows when, you know, they hit the courts and they, we have these matchups. And the great part about the tournament is that you'll play teams that you wouldn't normally play during the course of the year, mm-hmm. like St. Peter's, for instance. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, now here's a, you talk about a team that's going to new heights. I mean, St. Peter's wins the tournament. I own it. I think everybody was expecting to. Yep, definitely. Win, you know, win the uh, MAC tournament. Uh, and then uh, here they are, uh, you know, it, winning two games and making it to the Sweet 16. So happy for the team for a couple of reasons. Uh, I like a dog like this who, you know, over excels. And a very good friend of mine played for St. Peter's mm. back a long time ago, Rich Rinaldi. He's oh, cool. one of the leading scorers there. So uh, I'm happy for, you know, the alumni like him to see this team go far. Yeah, oh, absolutely. That's a, that's a cool connection too. And then specifically about those dogs that you talk about, it seems like every year we get a new one that's not specifically star studded, but they certainly have a lot of characters. How good is it for DraftKings specifically to have underdogs like St. Peter's? Well, it just adds to the whole tournament. Uh, just overall, but if you look at what's left right now, you're going to see a lot of the traditional names who you would have expected to be there. Mm-hmm. But besides St. Peter's, you'll find, you know, you'll find a uh, Miami, Florida, mm-hmm. uh, Iowa State, a couple of teams that probably weren't expected to get there. So it's always good to have that mix. 
and the the betters and the uh, viewers and the rooters for the March Madness tournament, they love to have a a dog they can root for. Go yeah. back to Loyola, Chicago. Remember when they had that run with for Sister sure. Jean? I mean, everybody rallied about around them. And I think it's the same for St. Peter's this year. Although this is a tall task coming up this, uh, you know, tomorrow night. Definitely. Yeah, literally and figuratively against Purdue. <laughs> and that. I'm sorry. It might be Friday night. Is it? Is it? Is it tomorrow? Friday, Friday night. Yep. Friday, Friday night. night. Friday, yeah, yeah, but no, it, that that'll be a fun game. Definitely looking forward to seeing that. You know, kind of spanning the spectrum them of teams we expected to be here and some underdogs. For in terms of futures for the, the the title, where are you seeing most of the tickets come in for right now? Well, it's spread out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could tell you that before the season start, we put the we put up the future bets for uh, college basketball as soon as the tournament is over. So within two, three days, we have next year's up. And we opened up Gonzaga uh, about eight or nine to one, and they've been taking money not only then, but all the way through the entire year. So they're one of our hazards, so to speak, Hmm. Uh, you know, teams that we don't do so well on. But to finish the year, there were some teams that were taking some pretty good money. Tennessee was on a nice run. Mm. Players jumped on them about three weeks ago. They are no longer in a tournament. And uh, and Kansas was another team they jumped on late. Uh, they jumped on them a couple of weeks before the tournament started and when the tournament was announced because it looked like their region was probably the easiest for them yeah. to get through. Nothing's easy, guys. Don't get me wrong. But <laughs> easier than the others. Yeah, I actually, you bring up Kansas, and that's a team that I wanted to, to ask you about, so I think it's a, a perfect segue here. I'm interested in your thoughts. Kansas actually has uh, lower odds to, to win the title than Arizona. What do you think kind of pushes Kansas in that favor? And it is because of the matchups mm-hmm. moving forward. That's what it's really all about. And let's face it, Kansas has been – gets Arizona's also uh, won a national championship, and they've also had good teams in the past, and they've had – very good coaches as they do now, but Kansas just seems to be a mainstay each and every year. Uh, you know, their coach is certainly highly regarded and usually takes them a long way in the tournament. So that's another reason is just, uh, just perception of the Kansas team. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And speaking of perception and mainstays, how much, if at all, Johnny, does history play into the odds making? And by history, I mean, Villanova specifically, Nova's 2018 title rematch with Michigan coming up Thursday, obviously two teams that are incredibly tested in March and have winning cultures and high profile, high profile coaches. How much does that reputation play into where the odds lie? Hey, Emma, I don't know if it's so much about reputation. It's about some of those players are still around, you know, <laughs> uh, Michigan, Michigan players, a, a Villanova player. We, you know, we certainly have uh, some players that are, have, have, played against each other over the last couple of years. Now, I'd like to go back and look at some history. I certainly like to look at coaches that are coaching. We know some coaches get their teams better prepared than others do. So, um, but you you can't go back and say, you know, a a team played a team back in 2013 and they beat them. So there's some revenge factor there. Yeah. Can't look at that, but you can look at more recent history. Yeah, yeah, I think that's so fascinating. And even going back, you mentioned Tennessee. Pat and I are, I'm sure I can speak for Pat when I say yes. that we're both very relieved that Villanova doesn't have to face Tennessee because they were hot. Rick Barnes' tournament record is now 25 and 25. Mm. So he's played in 25 tournament games or 50 tournament games, but he's dead even. So I thought that was an interesting question, just 
looking at how much coaching really does play into it and whether that gives the teams advantages from a book perspective. Yeah. Didn't you guys play Tennessee earlier in the year? We did. Yes. And Nova won that game. He won that game. And you also had another tough game, too, at the beginning of the year, too, right? Uh, Purdue and UCLA Purdue. were the other two ones, which is the, the East region, basically. <laughs> so you know what you do? You get your teams, you get your teams battle tested, and that's what the coaches like to do. Mm-hmm. And then you, and then you play a big East schedule, which is not easy. And by the time of the year, you're, you know, you're usually ready to go. Now, let's face it, in this tournament, everything doesn't always work out. But at least you you're in a good position to uh, put yourself in a good position to go far. Oh, John, it's Preaching music to, to our choir. ears. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, we have talked <laughs> yeah. about that throughout the season. Uh, Emma, you kind of teed me up talking into the matchup here. So looking at Villanova, Michigan specifically, the line's minus five for Nova right now. I'm interested from your perspective, how difficult is it to kind of handicap a number for a team like Michigan that has had so many ups and downs this season, shows the inconsistencies, then comes out in the tournament, takes care of business against Colorado State and pulls off the huge upset against Tennessee. I'll tell you how tough it is, uh, Pat, is that this team was ranked in the top maybe five or six at mm-hmm. the beginning of the year. We had their odds somewhere in the 12 to 14 to one range. As the year went on, they were as high as 150 to one. Oh, wow. Yeah, and so now, of course, they're they're coming back. They're 60 now, so they're coming back down a little bit. Um, you know, the, the expectations were high for the team. They have quality players. It, they play it in a in a very tough conference and had a lot of close games with a you know high power rating from us bookmakers. Um, you know, going into this game, you had Devontae Jones. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to be playing. So mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, the freshman there, Collins, did a really nice job. Um, and then this Dickinson guy, I mean, he's a tree in there, you know, you got to deal with trees sometimes when you play. <laughs> so, uh, you know, but, but th- they have the players, uh, the coaching to me is, you know, is maybe the weaker spot. And I say that only because hasn't been coaching for that long a period of time. Uh, and so that, if there's any uh, weakness, it's probably in that area, but we'll see, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, no, I, I love that. And I, I think that goes into it as well. And Dickinson is certainly the big matchup for what Villanova is going to be watching here. I feel like the line is right. I think it's going to be an uncomfortable game for Villanova fans. It's so. going to be uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be uncomfortable. Yeah. Free for throws sure. are going to have a big part in this one. Absolutely. Oh, we like that. We can definitely be confident <laughs> in that. So, Johnny, for the people that maybe just are getting their feet wet because it's March, what's one thing that you look at for beginning betters to, to get into the space a little bit? So, Emma, when you go on our site, it's overwhelming. I mean, there's <laughs> just so much on there for each and every game. Not only the game, but, you know, totals and money lines and alternate lines and pl- player props and uh, who's going to score first, who's going to make it to 15 first. It's, there's just so much content. So what I say to, you know, the new user is to uh, go slow. Uh, you know, point spreads are easy to bet. I think everybody knows about point spreads. We put up a, a line to equalize the two teams. So you can either lay the points or take the points. Um, totals, points scored in the game, that's pretty easy. Or a money line to win the game straight up. And then possibly dabble around in a future bet, which, you know, a team to win the whole thing. Mm-hmm. That's probably best to start with. And, and you mentioned, you know, get your feet wet. And then after that, you know, there, there's just so many more options as you expand your knowledge. Yeah. And even this matchup specifically, I find so interesting because it's a, 
a very unique blend of experience and youth. And we probably will see that for the next few years because of this extra year of eligibility that COVID granted. So I've been super fascinated by some of these player props and how these players are going to perform in the biggest moments, again, because of how weird the tournament was last year. Yeah, you know, and we and player props. Now, remember, at DraftKings, there's a lot of things we offer. And I mentioned this, you know, at the beginning uh, when we came on was not everybody takes everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so some states don't take player props. They're not allowed. Right. Some states don't allow, uh, you know, ga- gaming on college games that where the game actually takes place within the state or even, uh, you know, schools within the state. So, um, you know, different states, different rules. DraftKings, we abide by them. All right, cool. Well, thank you so much again to Johnny for coming on. Pat, you want to take it, take this one? Yeah, absolutely. So again, <laughs> as Emma said, thank you so much to Johnny from DraftKings. Uh, it, we had such a great time talking to him. Uh, you may notice that the interview abruptly stopped there. Uh, you didn't miss too much. You missed probably about two minutes of us kind of closing and saying our goodbyes, but you got to love um technology and just the, the week that it's been uh for me uh, but, but the technical recording yeah technical difficulties the recording cut out for the last two minutes luckily we got to catch most of the interview um but unfortunately just the last two questions did not make it in there but again thank you so much to johnny i thought that was a really fun interview um and oh it was so cool to, to hear his insights on all of that from kind of his perspective yeah, it's nice to see behind the screen a little bit, see what it's like. You did miss the part where he said that he hopes Villanova wins. So that he was did. Cool. He did. So he's pulling for And he didn't, he didn't seem biased at all, which was really nice. Yeah. No, but it's just on a unique perspective. Obviously, betting is just something we talk about super frequently on this show. But I think in March, you are pretty much obligated to. So I'm glad. And we were so glad to have him on. Also, it couldn't be Thursday without having some mailbag questions. And we've got some of the greats who showed up in this one. We do. But before we move into that mailbag, we have some exciting news from our sponsors at 19.9. 19.9 creates original designs tailored to the nostalgia of epic moments in college basketball history. They celebrate the eras, players, coaches, and the rivalries that make college basketball the sport we love. And speaking of rivalries, check out the apparel collection from 19.9 of Villanova University and the University of Connecticut. On their site, 19.9 restocked your favorite apparel and added new vintage items. So go to 19.9.com. That's numbers one nine and the word nine, all one word.com to grab the nostalgic gear you need. So, like I said, we have some greats. I really like this time of year. I, I love preview episodes. I'm sure I've made that very clear, but I love getting questions from people about who we think is going to step up, who needs to step up, what is Villanova's path like, and we have a few of those, so I'm excited to get into it. And I don't like to play favorites, but we did get some questions from some of our favorites. So oh, yeah. That, that, that's always fun, but we love everyone. Please submit questions to us because we love talking <laughs> with you guys and interacting. So starting with John Palme in 2018, and he said he was there, and I, God, I wish I was. I was on campus for that. Um, our sixth man, DiVincenzo, was the difference. Will that repeat this year? This is an interesting question because I think you can take it in two separate ways. So if you're saying the sixth man, that means Caleb Daniels. Oh, yes, it does. Exclusively. So do I think Caleb Daniels will have the same type of performance that Dante had? No. 
But do I think the perimeter players will absolutely win or lose this game for Villanova? Yes. So I might be stretching the question a little bit, John. <laughs> I apologize if that's the case. But as, as important as Gillespie is, I do. You and I kind of disagreed about this, actually. I think it was our Big East tournament preview. You think live or die, Colin Gillespie. I really do think the other guys will decide the Villanova's fate. Yeah, absolutely. I Listen, if we're looking at six-man depth, I – not too many guys I choose over Caleb Daniels for what we've seen yeah. right now. Cause uh, Caleb has been on fire. I expect him to continue to be on fire and, and be a huge part of this offense. I'm really looking at Caleb f- to have a big game against Michigan with how I think Nova is going to attack them game plan wise. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And it's so, it's so much earlier. I mean, when you think about DiVincenzo, DiVincenzo's rise throughout the tournament, it came much later. So if Caleb's able to contribute at this level, just think what it can be on an even bigger stage, which is exciting. Oh, I like that. Second question from John. Based on 2018, University of Michigan has the worst fan base I've ever seen. What fan base is the worst in your experience? John, you don't sound biased at all. And speaking of not being biased, <laughs> Pat, you can absolutely take the floor. <laughs> <laughs> well, first off, uh, shout out to Michigan, especially uh, old professor Michael Bradley, who I can also vouch as a awful fan. Um, with his, uh, <laughs> with how he, he will not appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll take my shots at him because he definitely took his at me in the classroom. Um, but <laughs> worst fan base. I mean, if I'm going strictly off of Villanova, it's 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 Connecticut. But it's just so <laughs> it's so far and away Connecticut. I, I think Seton Hall fans can be very rough as well, and I think they wear that as a badge of honor. Um, but I'm not exactly a fan of UConn. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. It's UConn, pretty pretty far away for me yeah shout out to eagles fans too if i opened it up to all sports uh coming from (laughs) (laughs) coming from jerry quinn then jerry dropping us some questions when we are making threes we operate on another level who do we need to step up on offense to continue our run this march yeah i think you've seen a major difference in the offense by how by seeing how jermaine has played over the Mm -hmm. last couple of games and i know that leaks into his second question a little bit I think he just adds another layer and it's not even the perimeter shooting. It's his driving to the basket. We've said Caleb's name a lot. I absolutely believe his ability to make shots makes this a better team. I think I'm going to go with those two, nothing crazy. But again, I I think this version of Samuels that we've seen over the last two weeks is absolutely essential because otherwise you, you, you bring up all those questions again about bench depth and who can, Villanova rely on if Jermaine can post up 10 points, seven to eight boards, that's the version of him we need every single game. And you're right. And he is, but to be different, I'm going to go with just a consistent Justin Moore because when Justin, we haven't seen it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We did see it for a stretch uh, in February where he was double Mm -hmm. figures every game for, for many games in a row. But then lately we've gotten six points, 16, 21 and down to eight over his last four from him. When Moore is locked in and when Moore is is a real focal point of this offense and being able to pour in the points, it's difficult to beat with that really high-end second option that he is compared to Colin Gillespie. So a consistent Justin Moore uh, coming in here against Michigan and potentially an Elite Eight game, I think would be very, very key for Nova. Very good answer. Yeah, hadn't even thought of that. Good Why, point. Thank you. Has the play of Jermaine Samuels over the past two games been the glue that keeps delivering wins? I really don't think I can talk about it anymore. <laughs> I mean, the answer is just yes. <laughs> emphatically, emphatically, yes. 
Uh, yeah, Jermaine's playing out of his mind right now. And I think yeah. all of us as Nova Nation understanding how much he's put into this program over the years, his struggles at times, um, to see him performing the way he has been through these big games. It, going back to the Big East tournament as well, to your point about back spasms and all that, um, it's been great to watch. It's been really rewarding to watch. And he just, he's so key to Villanova because it's not even just the offense where he is contributing a lot more. He is so integral to how this defensive game plan works and the versatility that Nova is able to operate with. He absolutely has been one of the most important cogs in this machine that has delivered the last two wins. Yeah. And their rebounding efforts, despite being undersized in almost every single matchup. Yeah. There's nobody as deserving as him. We've been on him all season long, but he is absolutely getting hot at the right time. This is exactly when Nova needs him. For sure. And last question from Jerry. Do we get more Brian Antoine on Thursday? You take this one first. Okay. I think we do. And by more, I don't mean a ton of minutes from him. I just think we do see him out there. I, as we talked about on Tuesday, and we don't have this confirmed as we record this on Wednesday night, uh, but I do not expect Jordan Longino to play in this game yeah. on Thursday because of that, I would not be surprised to see Brian Antoine rack up anywhere from, I don't know, three to six minutes, but it seems like Jay will put him in and will put Chris Archdiacono in just for a short amount of time around media timeouts to try and spell some of these guys. That's what we've seen so far in the NCAA tournament. And I would expect status quo going forward. I wouldn't expect a big minutes increase at all, but I think you're going to see him on the floor. Yeah, the reason why Antoine's minutes decreased was because he was dealing with an injury in the first place. So I think even if Longino is listed as healthy, I would be floored if he plays against Michigan. I I don't mean that. I don't think that means seven to 10 minutes for Brian Antoine. It's just that trust level. I, I think being off the court for even in Jordan's case, two games just lowers that trust in Jay's mind. He wants the his guys to be extremely up to par, which I don't think anybody can fault him for Antoine specifically. I think it's just going to be tough for him to get into any type of groove because of those reduced minutes. It'll be purely from a a spell, the starter standpoint, like you said. Yeah, I I think so too. And then that leads in to our final question. I know the question that you've been waiting for personally from our friend, Brendan Riley, if Villanova makes the national championship should or will Jay Wright, wear a suit he's, he's trying to ruffle me pat and i won't i love him. how he framed it i love it it wasn't your normal suit question bring him back no. he framed it so great I he's mean, trying you to be professional to you you have to open with it because i know this is your favorite topic i refuse i refuse <laughs> i don't answer suit questions you know that brendan knows it he's trying to ruffle me but i won't let him i'm gonna answer that for, for brendan and you know what <laughs> I think if Villanova makes a national championship game, I think he will wear a suit. Um, Seriously. I do. I think big stage Jay's going to come out firing. That is of course, if Villanova gets the national championship game, there's a long way to go for that to even be potential. Oh but my God. I mean, don't, I think, wish you could see my face. My, don't you want to look your best? Literally open. You do. But when has Jay ever shown any incl- inclination that they would ever come back? I'm saying, um, see, this is why Brendan's winning right now. And I'm I didn't want to let him this win. This was my goal. Because <laughs> now I'm talking really loud and fast and I'm riled up about it. I think I, I always wish it had been suits. That's my thought. I always wish it had been suits. So I think he has stuck so seriously to the casual wear all season long 
that to go against the green in the national championship would undo everything he had done this whole season. He's so the saying, trailblazer of the casual wear. So you're saying you think Jay's a little superstitious. It's going to have to stick with the, the casual. Hadn't made that leap, but now that you say it, yes. Yes. I would be surprised if he wears his suit. I'll say that. Well, let's put it this way. I hope we get to find out. How does that sound? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> does that, that sound good? Thank All you. right. Let's go Thank with that you. nomination. Let's hope we get to find out with a national championship game the night of April 4th in New Orleans. <laughs> oh, man. We've, we've got a tough road, but we're both confident against Michigan. Hopefully, the next time we talk, this will be a very happy episode. Well, we can hope so. So, yes, obviously this episode leading into Sweet 16 game at 7.30 Eastern tonight in San Antonio. If Villanova wins, they will play on Saturday um, in the Elite Eight. But, all right, that'll do it for us here on the State of the Nova Nation presented by VU Hoops. Be sure to check out VUHoops.com, especially for the the recap. Catherine Ryan did a phenomenal job, or the recap, excuse me, the preview. Catherine Ryan did a phenomenal job um, previewing tonight's matchup, so make sure you give that a read. Also, be sure to subscribe to the show, leave a rating, and follow us on Twitter at S-O-N-N-Pod. I hope everyone gets to relax a little bit. Enjoy that game on Thursday night. Sweet 16 against Michigan. Fingers crossed. We've got another one Saturday, and we are pumped to talk to you on Tuesday. But until then, go Cats and Nova Nation. That's a wrap.